live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Before all of you Lamar Jackson haters come in here spiking the ball and driving victory laps around the studio, popping crystal bottles and slamming horse pie sandos, let me refresh my position on the situation with Lamar and the Ravens. Now, I told you yesterday that if a deal had not gotten done before yesterday, a deal was not getting done yesterday. I also proposed that Baltimore slap a non-exclusive tag on him, and then that's exactly what happened. None of this was remotely surprising or shocking or alarming, at least not to me. We've all been expecting this, at least I've been expecting this, for several weeks. It's been a brutal situation from the jump, and you can thank Cleveland for that. Again, there is absolutely a disconnect between the Ravens and Lamar, and we have the Browns to blame for that. The disconnect being the Ravens think that the Browns were idiots to guarantee Deshaun Watson all that money that they guaranteed him. The Ravens think that that deal is an outlier and that there's not another deal like that out there. Meanwhile, Lamar believes that he's a better player than Watson, that he's had a better career than Watson, that he's not the creep that Watson is. Therefore, he's not willing to take a dollar less than Watson. Herein lies your disconnect. That's why the deal didn't get done. That's why both sides reportedly are still far apart. And I can see why both sides see it that way. I see both sides. Again, the Browns, or I should say the Ravens, don't think that there's another Watson-type deal that's out there. They don't want to gamble, or they're willing to gamble that it doesn't exist. Therefore, they're going to let him look around. You know what, Lamar? We don't think there is another deal, but maybe you're right. Go ahead and find it. Take a look for yourself. We're fine with that. And then some are making this out to be this outrageous gamble on the part of the Ravens. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's actually very smart. Clearly, what the two sides have been doing for the past year has not worked. They don't have a deal. Reportedly, they're nowhere near a deal. So maybe this jump starts the negotiation. This makes sense to me. Again, I understand why both sides feel the way they do. Both sides have a definitive take on what his market value is. So why not let him go to market and let's find out who's right? Let's find out. Or, or will we find out? Here's the thing. Within minutes of the Ravens slapping a non-exclusive tag on Lamar, essentially all of the quarterback needy franchises were tripping all over themselves to say that they've got no interest. It was like a who's who of who does not want anything to do with Lamar, including the Falcons, the Panthers, the Commanders, the Raiders, and the Dolphins. And it's not even that they're not ready to throw down a quarter of a bill, guaranteed. Like, I get that. Let's be so clear about that. I understand if every one of these teams were to say, we're not doing that. We do not want to guarantee a quarter of a bill. We're not doing that. Only the Browns were stupid enough to do that. But that's not what's going on here. That would be understandable. These teams seemingly do not even want to talk to Lamar. Seemingly 
do not want to lob him a telephone call. Seemingly do not want to do their due diligence and find out where's this guy's head at. Exactly what is he looking for? If you're a team that needs a quarterback, why the hell would you not do that? Why the hell would you not at least touch base with a former unanimous MVP who is, in fact, in the prime of his career? How do you not reach out to one of the league's best players at its most important position in his prime that has hit the open market when that never happens if you need a quarterback? How do you not check in with that guy? Nope, nope. Instead, you're going to let everybody know that you want nothing to do with this guy and you're not even going to talk to him. I mean, especially, I'll tell you how weird that is and how odd that is and how absurd that is, especially given how much interest some of these same teams had in creepy Deshaun Watson when he was available. Now, that part makes no sense to me at all. That part to me is truly absurd. That part screams, wait for it, collusion. Now, notice I'm not saying it is collusion. I'm not saying it is because I can't. I mean, it's, it's damn near impossible to prove it. But if you need a quarterback, how the hell do you not at least engage the best quarterback available instead of just rushing right in to say, nope, we're out. We're out. Not interested. Like, as an example... The Panthers don't even have a quarterback right now. They literally do not have a quarterback unless you count Matt Corral. And I don't think Panther fan counts Matt Corral. Panther fan, how do you feel about your team not even touching base with a 26-year-old former unanimous MVP when you don't even have a quarterback? This is the same team that made it deep into the Sean Watson sweepstakes last year. They were really interested in talking to Deshaun, but they have no interest whatsoever, reportedly, in talking to Lamar. Hey, Panther fan, are you good with that? Same deal with the Falcons. Same deal with the Commanders. Again, no disrespect to Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter, but if those front offices aren't doing their due diligence on Lamar, what are they doing? Like, what are we even doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? And, and like, again, haters... Haters, don't put words in my mouth. Like, what am don't I get this twisted. I'm like, not saying that these teams should guarantee like, him a quarter of a bill. For? I'm just saying, man, it seems pretty absurd like, that they're rushing in to say, we're out. We have no interest. What are we, we don't care. Here? I mean, eff- effectively, it's starting to sound like Lamar Jackson all of a sudden is toxic. Toxic. Like, we want nothing to do with this guy. He's toxic. He's like, like, almost like, I don't know, like, like creepy Deshaun. Except the difference is Deshaun got a bidding war. He got a quarter of a bill guaranteed, and Lamar is getting the cold shoulder from, like, a quarter of the league. And again, I'm not advocating that this guy get the guaranteed jack that Watson got. I'm the one who was saying only the Browns were stupid enough to do that. That the Browns didn't set the market. I'm saying how the hell can teams that need a quarterback not even talk to this guy when they couldn't wait to engage creepy Deshaun? 
and who didn't really play much better than Jacoby. And why are so many of you rushing in to discredit what this guy's done? Because the guy's done a hell of a lot. Now, I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying there aren't questions about his durability. But the dude is special. But don't take my word for it. Take it from some of the guys who've actually gone up against him. J.J. Watt tweeted, Why are all of these teams so publicly, quote, out on Lamar Jackson, an MVP winner in his prime at the most important position in the entire NFL? What am I missing here? That's fair. That's what I'm asking. Sounds like Tyron Matthews said the same thing. He tweeted, LOL, I can tell none of y'all have never played against Lamar Jackson. Listen, this dude's a great player, period, period. Personally, I do think it was a mistake for him to try to negotiate this deal by himself. It's not what he does. It's not where he lives. It's not what he knows. He doesn't really have any experience doing that. He probably doesn't know the market as well as he should. He probably doesn't have the same or necessary relationships and connections to do a deal like that. And he's negotiating against an organization that's really good at it. So I think that did hurt him. I'm not saying that this guy deserves Deshaun's contract. And from a business point, I'm going to say the Ravens are getting over. They're winning. They played this well. They played it the right way. And while I can't prove collusion, I just think it's always weird that so many teams that need a quarterback could not wait to tell you they have no interest in the best available quarterback in the market. That to me is weird. That's absurd. I can't prove collusion, but that's weird. Especially when all these teams wanted to be in business with Deshaun Watson. Rare is the day when you can get a bunch of billionaires to agree on one thing. (laughs) But this is that day. And that one thing is the Browns, bleeped the bed and we are not going to lie in that bed so we're going to reset the market Lamar be damned that contract didn't reset the market hate Lamar all you want just don't tell me he's not a great player because he is I would call this collusion if I could prove it but I can't and the fact that I can't well the colluders owners know that we can't prove it It just seems absurd that all these quarterback-hungry teams waited like five seconds to let you know, we're out. We're out. No interest. No interest in the best quarterback available in his prime, a former unanimous MVP, when you need a quarterback but you have no interest? What is that? Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Dave Haxtall is my guest. Dave, it's good to have you on. How are you? Doing great, Jim. How are you this morning? Good, good, Dave. Good to talk to you. So you're about to head into the final month of the regular season. 
overall, how do you feel about the team as you look to advance to the postseason for the first time in the franchise's second year of existence? Well, we're in the hunt, Jim, and that's the biggest thing. We're, you know, we're in a spot uh, that you want to be at this time of year. Uh, about five weeks to go in the season for us is 18 games. Um, you look at the Western Conference and, and how tight the playoff race is. We're right in the thick of that, and uh, you know it, that's that's exactly where we want to be. We felt we could be there uh, coming into training camp. We knew that we would have an awful lot to prove in order to be in this spot. Uh, but uh, you know now it's uh, you know it's just uh, one you know taking it the you know the old adage one at a time here, being focused and finding ways to take points when they're available. I think last night was a great example of that, right, Dave? For instance, you're in the midst of a really critical homestand, but how about when you went on the road and you found a way to grind out a W against the Ducks? This time of year, you might not have your best every single night. You might not have the energy you want every single night, but what did they show you in finding a way to get that done against the Ducks? Well, that's, you know, that's the biggest thing. Right? You, you have to stay even. Uh, whether you're coming off a win, coming off a loss, you, you have to really just be able to move on to the next day and know where you're at. And, you know, we, we come off of a long road trip, a couple late nights on that trip, uh, late night getting home and a quick turnaround. You know that the energy might not be where you want it to be. And I like the, I like the intelligence of our hockey team last night. We, we weren't, you know, we didn't have great energy. We weren't at our best. But we were able to manage a game. We built a lead. We managed the game. We managed the third period very well. And that's really important to, uh, to have that recognition and then have the ability to do that at this time of year. Dave Haxtall joining us. Dave, there's something amazing about your team. You've won seven straight overtime games that have come down to three-on-three play. What's been the key is performing really well. In fact, I want to turn that into a question. What has been the key in performing that well in high-leverage situations, especially since we know the shootouts go away at the end of the regular season and then the OT becomes even more significant? Uh, you know, Jim, shoot, you know, the shootouts haven't been kind to us when we've gotten to them uh, overall this year. And, and really, you know, the 3 on 3 overtime was something coming into this year. It was an area that we really needed to and wanted to improve. You know, you talk about, you know, those extra points and extra six, seven, eight points that you earn through overtime become the difference in a playoff race. So um, it's something that we talked about early in the year, just some conceptual things that are, you know, that our players have really, um, you know, really taken and taken to the next level. We we have depth on our team, so we can use either six or eight forwards. That presents a little bit of an advantage at times. Uh, if you can get to the middle portion or late into overtime, just overall energy-wise. But we've been able to find some chemistry. We've been patient uh, in, in overtime without forcing things. Uh, a lot of times you force, you know, if you force it too much, you're going to give up opportunities the other way. Uh, fans love it. I'm sure the league loves it, but not necessarily the best way to earn an extra point. So just the, the patience and the chemistry that our players have built has been effective. You know, Dave, you mentioned your depth. I love your depth. You've got a number of guys who can find the back of the net. And then you've got Jared McCann. He leads the team with 31 goals. But what's really interesting is 31 goals, but he also has the most goals in the league, averaging fewer than 16 minutes of ice time. That, to me, is a great stat. How is he so efficient, and what do you like best about his approach and his game? Well, all the, all the things you just talked about there speak to the balance of our team when you look at the number of guys that, um, you know, that are putting up points that have 10-plus goals. Uh, and, and for Jared, he's been really consistent on the power play in his role. And he's he's been you know he's been excellent five on five. The pace of his game actually this is a question I talked to and answered last night. There's a difference in the pace of his game and and 
um, his, his willingness to go to some of the hard areas with pace. Uh, he's done a nice job of that this year. He's really built upon the confidence that he, you know, that he built last year, um, you know, in terms of, you know, just feeling good shooting the puck. Um, and, and you can see that confidence in him. So he's found some nice chemistry with Maddie Beneers and Jordan Eberle. Those guys have been real consistent producers for us and, you know, have been real keys for us. Yeah, truth is, Dave, I really want to talk some crack in hockey because I want to get into this. You know, I mentioned you were the head coach of the Flyers. You were also an assistant with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, two amazing hockey towns, Toronto and Philadelphia. From the outside looking in, I'm just a guy sitting here in California, but it looks like there is amazing energy and juice inside of your building. How would you describe the early connection between the fans and the crack in, in Seattle thus far? And Jim, it's 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 grown quickly. Um, it's it's an awesome atmosphere. You know, even last night was a Tuesday night, and it was one of the you know one of the quieter nights in the building. But there's still electricity there, and uh, you know we've we've been fortunate. You know, we've uh, we've been able to find a little bit of success at home. Our fans have been a huge part of that, and it's not just inside the building. The building itself is is unique. Anybody that hasn't been to the building should should make it a destination. Get here for a game. The building is so unique. The energy and electricity inside the building has grown to to a great level, um, and it's surrounded by that in in the the, you know, the entire city and community. So, this you know you mentioned a couple of the other cities that have been in, and uh, the history and tradition that those cities have is is amazing. Um, hockey is deep here. Hockey roots are deep here, and in terms of the uh, the excitement in and around town, um, it's it's as good as I've been in. I think that's really interesting what you just said. It's not just the energy in the building. It's the energy outside the building and in the community. Dave, listen, I, I hear what you're saying. I know you're not looking beyond the next day, the next practice, the next shift. There's a lot of work to be done. But if the vibe is that intense inside the arena during the regular season, can you allow yourself to think about what it might be like inside the arena during the postseason? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. That's that's our goal from day one. And, you know, I'm not sure a lot of people gave us uh, – a great chance to, to be where we're at competing for a playoff spot at this time of year as, as the season got going. But it's something that, you know, we talked about, um, you know, that's, that's obviously the first goal on the list is to put yourself in a position to be a playoff team. Uh, we've got a lot of work left to do here over the next 18 games to be in that spot. Um, but, uh, but that is absolutely a position that we want to be in. And that's an experience that we, uh, uh, that we want to be part of this year. All right, so one quick follow, and I'll let you go. What about that? You've got 18 games left. Obviously, you want to be playing your best when it matters most. How critical is this segment of the schedule with just 18 games or five weeks left in the regular season? Uh, I mean, every you know every game, like you say, you got to really just have to turn the page and take care of business today. Um, you know, the schedule is challenging, uh, and, and it's that way for everybody. So uh, just having the presence of mind, like I said, whether you come out of a win or a loss, uh, just to, uh, you know, to, to reboot and make sure you're ready for the challenge of the day. This race is, you know, you look at the Western Conference and how tight it is. This race is going to continue all the way through. Um, it's going to go down to the wire. So that's something that we should enjoy. It's something that we should relish. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we're, uh, we're confident we can push through and be successful. Something to embrace. It's awesome. The Kraken, once again, third place in the Pacific. They beat the Ducks last night. They host the Senators tomorrow night. Their head coach, Dave Haxtall, joining us. Dave, I really appreciate the time and the visit. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for your time. Great talking to you, it. Coach. Appreciate it.
Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. So the Jets did not just come across the country to meet with Aaron Rodgers. They loaded up owner Woody Johnson's private jet. They loaded Woody onto Woody's private jet. And then anybody else in the organization who matters at all. And they all came to Cali to meet with Aaron Rodgers directly, to pitch him directly. And considering all the bull crap that they were slinging at Derek Crap or Derek Carr, to try to get him on the hook. I would love to know exactly what these guys had said to Aaron. What was their pitch to Aaron, knowing what they said to Derek Carr? If they told Carr, sign with us, and you can win a Super Bowl. And if you win a Super Bowl with the Jets, that will get you a yellow blazer. And when you rock that yellow blazer, you will do so in your first year of eligibility. Reportedly, they said that to Derek Carr. So if you're slinging that kind of bullcrap at Carr, I would love to know what the contingency said to Aaron. Probably anything Aaron wanted to hear. Because you're not going to gas up that jet. You know, I'm not saying Woody is going to run out of money anytime soon, but do you know what it would cost to fly coast to coast private? Do you know what the jet fuel alone costs? You're not gassing up that jet. Loading up the owner, the GM, the coach, and the offensive coordinator to gas up the quarterback and not give him and tell him whatever the hell he wants. Hey, man, I get it. I respect it. They probably told this guy and promised this guy anything. Now, I'm not saying that a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers is going to make them the team to beat. I'm not saying that. It doesn't. In fact, you know what? I'm going to say that. It doesn't make them a team to beat. Not in the NFL, not in the AFC, not even in their own division. It doesn't. But I'll tell you what it does do. It sends the message to their fans and the players in their own locker room that we're doing everything we possibly can to win right now. We know we've been a joke. We know we've been an embarrassment. We know that we've been known for all the wrong things. Foot fetishes. Butt fumbles, coog hunting, ghosts. We know this. We know that selecting the coog hunter with a second pick overall was one of the worst picks ever and one of the most Jets things ever. But we're owning it. We're trying to fix it. We're all in. Aaron, we're here. Jets fans, we went right to this guy's doorstep. We took the jet. We're all in. Hey, man, I get it. I respect it. Because, by the way, just pitching this guy in and of itself is not an easy thing. But trying to get this guy isn't easy at all. you got to pick up his contract. You have to compensate the Packers. you got to find out whether or not he's committed. This is not an easy thing. But I like the energy. I like the hustle. I like the effort. And if Aaron wants it and Aaron's committed to it, and Aaron's actually committed to doing the offseason work, then I love it. 
If he's got a chip on his shoulder and he wants to jam people up and shut people up and he's being that guy and he's committed, man, I love it. I love it. That's my favorite version of Aaron Rodgers. But the thing is, I need to see it. I need to hear it. And we don't know that yet. We don't even know if the guy wants to play this year. You might say, oh, he's made up his mind. He's just loving the attention. He's just loving the dog and pony. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But the regular business season has not started yet. He's got a little more time. I'm just saying, given how embarrassing the Jets have been, I love that they're going as hard as they are to not be as embarrassing as they have been especially since the Giants have gotten their bleep together and they've leveled up across town. So Jets fan right now is as fired up as they've been in a long, long time, and they should be. There, by the way, there's a lot to like about the Jets. They're stocked with young talent and playmakers on both sides of the ball. They've got a damn good defense. They've got some weapons offensively. They've got a solid head coach, and they may, in fact, be a quarterback away from being a contender, from being relevant, from no longer being an out-and-out embarrassment. Woodrow, tell the dude whatever he needs to hear to get him to agree. Because what you cannot do is not get this guy now. You can't tease Jet Fan with the idea of Aaron Rodgers and then wind up selling them Jimmy G. You cannot tease the Jets fans with the idea of Aaron Rodgers and delivering onto them Andy Dalton. You cannot tease the Jets fans and then show up with Jacoby Brissett under center. Or even worse, the Coog Hunter himself, or Mike White, or Joe Flacco. The only thing the Coog Hunter should be doing next year is doing his best to make Aaron's life miserable in practice every single day. Yeah, I'm sure Aaron is shaking. Man, just tell this guy, tell this guy whatever it takes. You know, just lie. Tell him you're going to win it all right away. Tell him you'll win. And never mind that Aaron is very, very smart and very skeptical of most things. But just tell him to his face, you're going to win right away. All. Win it all. Tell him you're going to make the Packers look like crap. Tell him that they'll waive the mandatory waiting period and you'll go right to the Hall of Fame, meaning you'll go in years ahead of Bacon 45. Tell him there's already a deal in place to make him the permanent Jeopardy host. Tell him if he wants, you'll make him the mayor of New York City or the governor if that's what he wants. Tell him you'll pay him $50 million a year to have a podcast. Tell him whatever the hell you want or he wants to hear. Because the Jets have come way too far to come up short. It's got to be the guy. Now again, Jets fan, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to win anything with him. But I am going to guarantee you're going to be relevant, you're going to matter, and you will be a contender. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant 
doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Kalaja Kansi, a beast who is starving for a better life. Like, to me, it's a given. When you're hungry, you're going to fight. When you're starving, look the hell out. You mentioned a better life. What has your life been like to date, and what is driving you right now? Uh. My life been my life been going great, man. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of new things been showing up. Uh, just this process in general, uh, a lot of a lot of new things, um, and just and just my family. That's that's who that's who motivates me. That's who I that's who I do it for. So you know the process, right? You know how different the process can be. And you know how jacked up it can get, like there can be noise. I don't care who you are, right? There's always going to be somebody who's going to try and poke holes in your game or criticize you or anybody else or flat out, you know, they've got nothing better to do at hate. So my question is, are you looking to prove folks wrong or are you looking to prove those who are behind you right? Honestly, I'm looking to prove myself right. I'm never, I'm never looking to prove anyone wrong. Um, I kind of, I kind of don't want to get caught up in that. I'm trying to prove everyone wrong and then not being satisfied or happy with what I do. So I just try to prove myself right. I like that, dude. You're keeping it positive. That's good. I like that energy. You spend time with one of my favorite guys, somebody I have not talked to recently, but you have. You spent time with John Randall last week at the Combine. Man, I loved him. I loved him as a player. I loved having him on the show back in the day. What was it like chopping it up with a legend like that? And then how much did he help you? John Randall is a great guy, man. He, he gave me a lot of lot of hope, a lot of motivation. Uh, we talked we talked a lot of football. Oh, and also he just he just uh, he just supported he just supported all of these alignment, gave us not a, a lot of knowledge, just walked us through the process of how everything went went for him. And I and I want to thank him for that. Uh, great, great, great guy. You know, the combine itself is only a part of the process, right? It's part of the process of trying to put yourself in position to get drafted as highly as you possibly can, but it's a really important part of the process. So how pleased are you with the way you showed up in Indy? And then what was the entire experience like for you? The experience at the, at the combine was great. Um, it was it was it was awesome. I spent my birthday at the combine, man. I, I couldn't it couldn't be any better. Uh, I had fun. I met a lot of great great coaches, great people, and just to see the guys that you competed against and and played with this is awesome. I think I think the combine was was a great experience. Clash, it's like we see you guys show up and we see you guys perform and we see you guys run. But I don't think anybody sees like the unseen hours, like the work that goes in. Can you kind of give me a sense of what that's like when the season ends and then you go into combine mode? What's your process and preparation like? For instance, how long does it go on and what are your days like as you get ready to go? For me, honestly, um, my, my process was a little different. Uh, I kind of had a, a setback with the, the shoulder injury, but my, my main focus was just rehab. Um, I wanted to make sure that was the main priority that I was even able to be cleared to run. So my main focus was just making sure my shoulder was 100% and making sure that I did everything in order to even show up at the combine to compete. 
but um every every day is is just a day where you want to you want to get better and you want to stay consistent because like a lot of this training has to carry over to like the the drills and stuff like that so you just want to stay consistent as possible just so that you can you can go out and showcase your, your skills I think that process is so key, that process, consistency. Are there days, Kalaja, like where, man, I'm just not feeling it. I don't want to do it. I, I No, I don't want to do this again. And when those days pop up, how do you approach them? How do you get through them? How do you make sure you're at your best on days when maybe you feel your worst? When those days pop up, when those bad days pop up, you just got to think about, like, were you, when you were – like 10 years ago, when you dreamed of being here, you got to just think about those moments. Now that you're here, you got to, you got to, you got to attack the day. And, and that's something that I had to think about a lot, uh, just going through rehab and recovering and, and not being able to do everything and then show up and train and, and do, and do recovery and rehab. I just had to think about the, the younger me when I was dreaming of being where I'm at now to keep me going. Dude, you have a good mindset. You have a good mindset. I can tell you've been working on this for a while. Rehab itself is, man, it's so hard. It's lonely. It's hard. It's painful. What's the toughest thing about rehab? The physical rehab or what it does to your head mentally? I think mentally, uh, just thinking about where you was before the, the injury and then like going through the, the rehab process and not being able to have that same amount of strength or range of motion or confidence. I think it's a mental thing. Um, every day, like, I just had to work on it. I, I had, a, like, a lot of support. My support system was very strong, uh, such as, like, my my teammates at Pitt, my coaches, um, close friends, and, and also, like, the the people that I work with here at, at Sports Academy. I think we did a great job just just working, working every day, getting better, and it all it all paid off. All right, so let me ask you this. This is really key. So you're concerned about the rehab. You're putting your time into rehab. You're trying to get right so you can run. And then you get there and you run a 4.6740. That was the fastest 40 by a defensive tackle since 06. Did you have a target time in mind when you arrived? And then what was your reaction when you saw the official time, given everything you put into it? When I when I ran the forty, when I've been like as far as I've been training the forty, uh, I, I've been the lowest I hit was a four six. So I wasn't surprised, but also like I was only I was only clear for for three weeks before the combine, so I didn't have much time to focus on my forty. And um, I ended up I ended up running a, a four seven three on my second on my well my first forty I ended up running a four seven eight. And the first thing I did was check my phone and and got in contact with my with my speed coach to see what I need to work on and see what see what I need to correct for the second run. And then the second run, I knew I had to keep my head down through ten the ten or fifteen yards, and I need to I needed to keep my knee drive a little high on the back end of the forty so that I could finish strong. And that's that's what I did. Clash, let me ask you this: When you were training, were you running full forties or were you running twenty splits? I was running a lot of twenties. I did like a week before the come out, I did a full forty. But like other than that, it was like a lot of ten yard splits, twenty twenty yard splits, and then I'll go like the back end from twenty to forty. 
you know, one more thing about that 40 time. It was faster than the 4.68 that Aaron Donald posted at the Combine in 2014. I bring this up because obviously since Aaron played his college ball at Pittsburgh, the comparisons are inevitable. How much of you thinks that when folks are comparing you to the GOAT, and he might be the GOAT, right? When people are comparing him or you to him, are you thinking, man, that is awesome, that's incredible, or are you thinking, that's nice, that's flattering, but I got to be my own dude. I want to be my own dude. Yes, I, I'm. I'm definitely thinking like that. Um, that's 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 nice. It's an honor to even like be up for a comparison with a guy like that. But um, honestly, I'm myself. I just want to be my my own self. Um, I appreciate the, the comparisons with with the goat, which he is. But honestly, I just want to be myself. Make a name for myself. Elijah Kansi joining me for another moment or so. This is also a big Pat Narduzzi house. I love the guy. I'm curious, what has the coach meant to you personally? And then how much credit do you give to him for helping shape the player and the person you've become? Man, I want to give a special thanks to Coach Coach Patrick Narduzzi, man. He did a great job. He, he does a great job with us at Pitt, man. He, he, he teaches us to be tough, which you have to be to even play on his defense. Uh, he just builds character, and also like he just he you got to be able to take criticism from a from a from a coach, and and you got to be able to have tough skin because Coach Narduzzi is not gonna always be the nicest guy, but he's also gonna hold you accountable and push push you to be a great player and not just a good player. Do you always know the difference, like when he when you're in it, right, and you're feeling it, and he's not happy? Do you always know he's just doing it because he wants to coach me up and make me better, or does it sometimes feel personal because you're just human? Yes, I I know he he doesn't mean it from his heart. Uh, I know I know he he wants me to be better. He wants me to to be a better a better player, a better person. So I don't I don't take anything personal from him. I got you. All right. Defensive tackle for Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, a unanimous All-American, first-team All-ACC year, 2022 ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and had a big performance at the Combine last week. Kalaja, really good to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Good luck the rest of the way, and I'll look for you once you get drafted. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Headstrom Bacon. What's up, Bacon? What is up, Pragmatic Realist Pimp? Happy hump day to you and the crew. You too, dude. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to hype up the smack off season real quick, if I could, by encouraging any articulate clones with thoughts of calling the show. Stop thinking about it. Get in the game and make it better. If you want to get some reps in before hitting up the jungle digits, uh, just roll up on one of the shows about the show, and there are tens of listeners. You know, Woodscopes this Friday, Haunted Horse, or even us knuckleheads on uh, Stuck Not Radio, which reminds me, Jim, you mentioned them earlier. It's Steve's turn to call this year to pimp the post-smack-off show. Props to him, though, for the J Stu reset on Twitter. For the record, 10 years, 3 months, and 4 days ago, 
Steve actually archived a call from Blaine in Newport. I may or may not have made that up. Finally, Jim, on a personal note, I want to throw a huge shout-out to Dr. Willits and his staff at the Fowler-Kennedy Sports Medicine Clinic in London, Ontario, Canada. Top-notch facilities that treat elite-level athletes like NHL players. You talked to, uh, you know, the Kraken today. And, uh, you know, they also treat ordinary folks like my wife who have unique orthopedic issues. She had major knee surgery yesterday morning, and they gave her elite-level treatment. She's not a multimillion-dollar athlete, but they certainly treated her like one, and we appreciate it. War dedicated healthcare professionals and war smack off season. Let's go! Bacon, did you just couch some fake smack off season call around your shameless plug of an orthopedic surgeon who picked up your wife? Like, I'm glad that you got that taken care of. I hope she's okay. But, dude, you can't be doing that on this show. Do you know what actual clients pay for that type of thing? Bacon. Come on, man. Let's go to Green Bay. Steve in Green Bay. Good to have you, Steve. How are you? Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Uh, What, Alvin? No. You don't like that call. What? I don't like that call. You said, hey, how's it going? And I was going to say, fine. How's it going with you? Alvy, come on, man. Alvy, your mood swings are unbelievable. You went totally soft. Totally, totally soft. Mm. Totally soft. Mm. Where you let everything go. And now the pendulum has swung completely the other way. You're at the other end of the spectrum completely. All that guy did was like skip a beat for one second and say, hey, what's up? Bam! Hammered. Ah. (laughs) Are you saying that was my fault? Uh oh! I'm having a bad third hour, yo. I Derek crapped Derek Carr, and I went to Steve on line two when he was on line one. And considering all the bull crap that they were slinging at Derek crap or Derek Carr to try to get, I'm having a bad hour. I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna own it. All right, Steve. My bad. I actually went to the wrong line. Alvin, I guess I owe you an apology. No, hey, no. Alvin, I apologize for absolutely nothing. The Hall of Fame host does what the Hall of Fame host wants. Let's try it again. Steve in Green Bay. Now I got you. Sorry about that, Steve. How are you? Hey, what's up, Jim? I'm here, man. Good. You know, there's so much talk about Rodgers this past offseason. Whether he's staying with the Packers, getting traded, retiring, well, to be honest, it's getting a little old, brah. So I'd like to share some words of advice with good old A-Rodge. Hey, my dude, I know you're out there. I need you to stop what you're doing right now and look at me. Look at me, dude. You know what, my man? It's time. It's definitely 
time to start making babies. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Romy. Hey, Jim. I heard that Woody Johnson flew out to Cali yesterday to meet with Raj. Wheels up? Oh, hell no. More like legs up, dog. Uh, That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. So it is that time, the ATP time, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Jim. Alvy's laugh drop is hilarious. Where did that come from? Rob in the ATL. Which, you mean this? <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, that was during a correspondent piece from JRIB, Jim Rome is Burning. My guy, Lendale White, was a part of that. And that was part of a scrum. And that was him. Lendale White. That was from this. Hey, listen. Ohio State sucks. All right, so that was not edited. That was actual real audio, real sound. Back in the day, Lendale White was really upfront about it. He hated them. He hated them, and we loved that he hated them, and we loved that he had no problem saying, hey, man, listen, Ohio State sucks. Hey, listen, Ohio State sucks. (laughs) So that was part of a correspondent piece with Lendale White. By the way, my dude Lendale hit me up on LinkedIn the other day. So he's doing his thing. And actually, actually, Lendale White would be a good J. Jim Rome pod guest. He's been through some things now that he's been very open about, very challenging things. But he was a blast on the show back in the day because he would constantly say that. So he said that, and then that crew, whatever crew was with him, when he said that, that was the actual response. Hey, listen. Ohio State sucks. <laughs> so back in the day, we said that it was Larry Mant who worked on the show, but Larry said that was not me. I don't remember. I don't have the video. It probably is somewhere. It's YouTubed up somewhere because it was a video component. But that was Lendale. And Lendale didn't say it once. Take a lot of heat and back down. He kept saying it. Always good to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Yeah, Ohio State still sucks. Thanks, Jim. My man. So that's where that came from. Glad you asked. The laugh drop is part of the scrum after Lendale said, Ohio State sucks. <laughs> first thing first, uh, I'm waiting for these Trojans to get after these Ohio State uh, suck eyes. I mean, Buckeyes. He suck eyed them too. Hey, Tan Smack. I was wondering if you could reset or explain that grunt that follows totally trashed. Totally trashed. Mm. It kills me every time. Mm. Thanks, Steven in Riverside. Were the Atlanta Falcons being on the come up this season? War the Terry kid. Mm. All right, a few things. You know who that is, right? That's LT. That's Lawrence Taylor, and again, that's not something we added on. It comes from this. 
And I'm not, I gotta, and I got to say uh, thank you to most of the New York writers and stuff, and 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 uh, and the, the media. And but you got these, these, and they'll sit there and all that son, and they'll go out here on South Beach and get totally trashed. Mm-hmm. And if you sit there this because I'm in there. <laughs> Yeah, not my man's most lucid moment. We didn't do anything to that. That was real audio. So no, that was not edited. So Steven in Riverside, that was LT. And that's what he did. That's what he said. You've got these people here on South Beach getting totally trashed. Mm -hmm. Good night now. 